Good morning, medics. Charles McFall here with Topic Tuesday, and I am uh, ready to go and, t- and uh, share a little something, you know, share a little information here. And I was looking for a good topic to talk about uh, as far as EMS topics go, and I was like, you know what? I haven't looked at the the DPH EMS educator update here in a minute. Let me go and do that. So I have that pulled up, and it is EMS week this week. Uh, so we're going to talk about today is safety day for EMS week. So I'm going to talk a little bit about safety, which actually plays into the DPH updates and the, the COVID-19 updates here. So like here, here it goes. Now, these are the notes from 515. So it's the last meeting that, that happened here. And I'm just going to go over some of the highlights. Uh, as a reminder, you get all the updates on their website, ems.ga.gov. Right, not all the not all the uh, <laughs> not all of the updates are emailed out, but you can find that there. And definitely, we wanted to remind you to put your emails in the LMS. Right, and let me make sure I had this. My, um, uh, what was this? I my gymsis gymsis. That's me, me gymsis, me gymsis, gymsis. Yeah. MyGymsis.org slash LMS. I'm going to go ahead and copy it here and put it into the Facebook chat there. That is where you're doing all your your licensing and getting all your notifications through. So it's very important that you get logged in and you get your EMS, your, EMS, your email put in there uh, because that's where you're going to find out about reminders about your licenses expiring that's where you update all your training. You put it in there. And if you've gone to a state approved training, it's possible it's already been put in for you. Um, and definitely make sure you have an up to date uh, uh, email put in there because that that's they're going to send it out to whatever email they have. And it's on you. It is absolutely on you to get your licenses renewed. And right now we're still in the extension phase until I want to say June 31st first june 1st somewhere in there so it's coming up right we're already halfway through may can you believe we're already halfway through may what in the world is going on man cthulhu hasn't shown up yet i haven't got my sharknado you know you promised me a whole lot 2020 when you started off with world war three and then you know latest it was murder hornets right murder bees so give me give me my sharknado you know i'm a little disappointed in may right now and how it's going (laughs) <laughs> but absolutely absolutely get in there and get that updated because it is important ha huh, let's see ppe right here's the recommendations conserve it reuse it when appropriate and decontaminate and that is where Battelle. i don't know if that's uh i'm gonna look that up because i like clorox and water that's my favorite decontamination but i'm gonna look at what Battelle is uh, Battelle is a Memorial Institute. It's a private nonprofit applied science technology. Div- okay. Uh, I wasn't there for the meeting, so I don't know what the note Battelle is, <laughs> but yeah, decon decon. Now, of course, gloves you're going to use and throw away appropriately, please. I know us as professionals, I'm sure we're always putting our, tra- you know, our gloves in the trash can, but oh my God. All the rando citizens out there who think they have to glove up and throwing it in the, the freaking parking lot? What is wrong with you? There's an education. There's a topic Tuesday for you. Be a human being. 
keep your trash to yourself. Stop throwing your masks down and your gloves down in the streets. Dumb. And if I catch you doing it, I'm going to point it out and, and uh, yell at you a little bit. And it is becoming somewhat easier to get PPE again. So there's that. Um, you can find COVID-19 testing at dph.georgia.gov. And let's see what else here. All right, provisional licenses. For those with provisional licenses, so here's the deal with that, right? The provisional license. A lot of people have asked. Now, National Registry came out and said you can have a provisional license as long as you had the cognitive test done. But here's the weirdness of National Registry. With EMT, your last day of class is the psychomotor, right? Now, with the AEMT, that's probably, and the paramedics probably where provisionals come in a little bit more because you can do your psychomotor whenever and you have to do your cognitive. But most people try to get that psychomotor done first because that's what EMT did and that's what's in their mindset of how to do it. But yeah, no, you have to have the cognitive pass for registry to give you a provisional license. Then you can get a provisional license with Georgia. And here, according to these notes, it says applications should be available in the coming weeks to allow you to convert a provisional license into a traditional license. Must have that full NREMT certification, not a provisional one. You have to have actually a full uh, registered NREMT notification or certification. Uh, there's no charge to convert, and your expiration date moves from 12-31-2021 to 3-31-2022 once you do that. So there's a little update on provisional licenses. And it's it's a it's a tough thing because I know the EMTs that are ready to get into the field. Like, How do I get the provisional? Well, you can't because you done you did the psycho motor. That's the only thing they're throwing out. Psycho, and they're not even throwing it out. It's temporary. It's temporary down the line. So uh, you still have to get it by September or maybe by the end of this year. You have to get your psycho full psycho motor completed. So you have to do cognitive. And right now, finding a cognitive testing station that's open is difficult. But it is available. So there you go. Get your cognitive done. And then you can petition National Registry to give you a provisional license. Then you can get a provisional license from the state of Georgia. I believe you're going to pay full price for both of those. But once you actually get your full National Registry certification done, you can convert the state of Georgia with no extra anything. Here's an update to scope of practice. No RSI. It says paralytic administration. This is, of course, under the paramedic uh, section of scope of practice. Here's the actual wording that is going on under advanced pharmacological skills. Administration of paralytics for DAI RSI is not permitted unless an agency has obtained written approval from the Office of EMS and Trauma. Paramedics are only authorized to use non-depolarizing paralytics to maintain the paralysis of already intubated patients during interfacility transports, if approved by the local EMS medical director. So I'm not sure what changed there. Uh, what it, you know, I don't know if RSI had come to the trucks and now they just took it away. But basically, the the basic understanding of RSI is you have to get written approval from the Office of EMS and Trauma, and that and then it only has it has to be directly approved by the local EMS medical director. And I guess that means it can be standing orders once you have that written letter there. So, uh, what else is going on here in the updates? 
before I get about get to some of the safety stuff I want to talk about. Uh, EMS. Okay, so here's the days of the week for EMS. It is EMS week right now. I personally never have given too many craps about EMS week. I'm curious if you have because, um, you know, the companies I worked for, you know, they did a little nice stuff for us. It, it was always a, a tip of the hat. But, I mean, like national EMS, all they do is EMS. So it's not like a hospital or a big fire department separating it out. It's like, this is what we do. But they were great. They were, they gave us a lunch, you know, when I worked there and then some whatevers. I don't remember what all they did for EMS week. I know a lot of, especially now with COVID-19 and all, a lot of hospitals aren't doing open lunches and come on in and, and we want to feed you or letting people go out. I don't know. I just never saw it as a big deal to be recognized that way. Um, if you do, awesome. I'd love to hear what you get out of it. But anyway, Monday, yesterday was EMS Education Day. Today is Safety Tuesday. Wednesday is EMS for Children Day. Thursday is Save a Life Day, CPR and Stop the Bleed. And Friday is EMS Recognition Day. What are you doing for these days? I imagine if you were like me as a medic, you're showing up for work and you're doing your job. That's what you're doing for these days. Um, what What is your company doing? What are the hospitals doing? I'm curious to see if any of this actually has anything that that happens in the real world. But those are the EMS days, and that's why we're going to talk about safety. So that was the updates from, from DPH. So safety, man. Safety is a, a big concern right now, right? Safety is a big concern. Why right now? What we do as EMS is we handle, we handle contagion. We handle all those things all the time. So why is it right now that it, it's a concern? And to me, that that's the dumbest thing is, and a lot of medics have said so, is that, hey, you know, we, we, you never know when you're getting exposed to hepatitis or tuberculosis or flu in general or MRSA or a bunch of other things, right? Because what we do as medics out there is we run the calls and not every patient is going to tell us everything that's going on with them. So it is what it is, right? I'm not saying don't be more cautious. I'm saying why is safety all of a sudden a concern? When we teach PPE is gloves, bare minimum. Anytime you think you might be exposed to something, mask, shield, or goggles, right? And even full suit. And how many times have I masked up in my career? Very few. Would I be masking up now? Probably. Because I know part of it is the, the public perception of it. And I was even, I swung by the school yesterday. And even yesterday, uh, Tom, Tom was telling me that, uh, yeah, when you're in the school, you need to wear one of these masks. It's just the way things are because of, of the stuff going on. But the, yeah, I mean, it's just so frustrating. It's so, not, not that I have to wear the mask. I just don't want to go off on a tear about what's going on in society right now. But safety should always be concerned. You should always be decontaminating the back of your truck and the front of your truck. And I'm happy to see that this stuff with COVID-19 has gotten people to clean the front of their trucks more and to keep the back of their trucks cleaner. That is absolutely nice to see because that's the thing that's been needed for a long time. I mean, how many first responders get in the front of your truck and drive you in your firefighters, whatever, drive you in with their gloves on, right? Well, you were back there helping you, you touch stuff, you're contaminated, you know, 
how many times do we actually wash our hands before all this? I didn't. I did it enough. I think I did it enough between san, uh, um, hand sanitizer and actually washing my hands when I'm on the truck. When I'm off the truck, it was a lot less. So I am washing my hands more. Yeah, I went out. Like I said, went out to the school yesterday to pick up some stuff and sanitized my hands while I was there. While I was there. And then when I came home, I washed my hands with soap and water, right? Um, so, yeah, deconning is a big thing, 10% Clorox. So get you a bottle with 10 markers, one marker, you know, one fluid ounce or whatever the marker represents gets Clorox. The rest of it gets water. Shake it up. You're good to go. Uh, the Clorox wipes, Lysol wipes, those are all good. But even better than that, more than that, rather, safety and lifting. Make sure you're group lifting. Make sure you're helping each other with the stretchers. Make sure you're helping the patients get on the stretcher appropriately. Your back injuries are still statistically a higher thing to take you out of work, especially long-term, than COVID-19 is. So back injuries are important to protect against. Stairs. Make sure you have a crew to go downstairs and somebody's got their hand on your back if you're walking backwards, if you're the one doing the, the front end of the stair chair. And watch out for each other's backs and listen to each other. Like, hey, that's not safe. You should probably do something different. Then stop for a second and see what's not safe, and you should probably do something different. And don't get complacent. Gloves, masks, goggles are a prevention, but they will not keep you from getting sick if you don't stay safe. Wash your hands. Wash your face, right? Because if something did get on there, but it's not quite in your system, like the COVID, right? The COVID can get on everything. Somebody from the Renaissance Festival said, hey, let's explain COVID-19 in Renaissance Festival terms. A uh, uh, thousand people come to the festival. Ten people are cosplaying as fairies, which means they have glitter all over them and stuff, right? They're, they're fairies. At the end of the day, how many people are still going to have glitter on them? A whole lot. I mean, the whole idea is if you've ever been to a festival like that, you know, you, you get glitter. Like, where the hell did that come from? You know, because it's there. But here's the thing. I've taught my children, I've taught my family, that if you're going to wash your hands, wash your face with soap and water. Because just because you touch your nose or your face doesn't mean you automatically got COVID or flu or anything else you can get from that actual kind of sickness, right? But so, but if you do, if we leave it there, you might get it. So if you're going to wash your hands, wash your face, be safe. But honestly, yeah, we're focusing on that part of it. Make sure you're trashing your, your masks and your gloves appropriately. Make sure you're wearing your mask and your gloves appropriately. Make sure you're cleaning your truck. Because honestly, soap, water, Clorox, and water. You know, soap and water for you, Clorox and water for the truck. It cleans. It just keeping clean surfaces and clean areas is your best defense against everything. So now it's about buckling up. Right, make sure you put your seatbelt on both in the front and the back of the ambulance. Because again, statistically, everybody's worried about COVID nineteen and oh, I'm going to get this. I'm going to be out for a while. I could die. You can die in the back of the truck from a fall, but worse than dying, honestly, worse than dying is being crippled and not being able to uh, not prepare, provide, not be able to provide for yourself and your family, and back injuries are the biggest thing that take us out in EMS is back injuries. And they happen in the back of the truck more often than not. So make sure you buckle up, make sure you're safe, make sure you're, you're 
Uh, if you've got to be standing free, like you're, I don't know why. I mean, if you're doing CPR or something, make sure you're locked into the best way you can be. Be It's the little things. It is the little things in safety that will get you. Not lifting the stretcher properly. Oh, I can just handle this right now. Oh, I think I tweaked something, but I feel fine right now. Uh, somebody, I can't remember if it's an EMS or not, because I see so many different people on Facebook. But somebody's like, yeah, I tweaked my back the other day, but I guess the adrenaline was going, everything felt fine. Then I woke up the next day and couldn't hardly move. You know, I had to take Motrin. I think they probably went to the doctor. And that's how these injuries go is, oh, I lifted something felt weird, but it's fine. And I just kind of went about my day. Well, let me put one last thing in the safety here for this topic Tuesday is you've got to tell your supervisor anytime you might be exposed to anything or you might be hurt. It's scary. It's terrifying. And a lot of people think I'm going to lose my job and maybe you will. And I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But you have to tell the supervisor because if you get hurt, especially if you work more than one EMS job, but even then insurance and lawyers can go after you. Uh, even if you don't work those jobs, extra job, all I work is this one job. Well, you say you hurt your back at work. Did you tell anybody? Well, kind of mentioned it to my partner. That won't fly. That's like mentioning it to your, your significant other. It's assumed they're going to get your, you know, get your back. <laughs> no pun intended. But it's assumed that they're going to cover for you and help you out. So that whole, you know, telling your partner thing doesn't really happen. So beyond that, I don't know why my video froze, but whatever. Uh, beyond that, you've got, um, uh, you've got to tell somebody, right? So you got to tell a supervisor. So if you don't, you hurt your back and a day goes by, two days, three days goes by and you're like, Man, my back really hurts. And you know you felt it when you lifted that patient or when you twisted wrong or something happened. And then you tell your company, hey, my back, you know, I hurt my back and you've got to help me out. They're going to say no. Or, I mean, hopefully not. Hopefully they'll say, you know, they'll help you out or whatever. But that's the thing. Once you leave the job, that shift, once you leave the shift, you literally could have gone home and done anything that hurt your back, that, that hurt your knees, that hurt whatever you hurt. So you have to tell a supervisor immediately and they'll ask you, well, and they'll try to make you go get checked out. Well, I'm too busy. I want to help out or whatever. I don't want blah, blah, blah. No, God, man. And I know too many people don't. I've had students leave my school, go into the field and then I see them again and, and they're talking to me. They come for a con or something and they're like, yeah, no, I hurt my back at work like two or three weeks ago. Should I, should I do something about that? And I was like, are you kidding me? You're going to be lucky if they help you with that now. I, I hope they help you. De yeah, mention it to them, see what happens. But three weeks have gone by. There's no way you can prove you you hurt your, your back at work. There's no way you can do it. You got to document. You got to tell somebody. And and if you lose your job, I said I was going to talk about that, and then I'm out here. If you lose your job, there are legal ramifications to that. You legally cannot be let go because you got hurt at work. So if, somebody, if you work for a crappy boss or a crappy company and you tell them, I did this just now, I lifted my page, and you documented it, right? Yeah, you, you filled out some kind of documentation, all right, some kind of official paperwork. And when you tell somebody, call them, but also email them. I don't know if text records are admissible in court. I have no idea how 
trusted they are, but I know emails are all day long. Not only call your you know, call your supervisor, email them, say as you know, we just finished speaking, or you know, as we said on the phone, this is what I, document it. And I'm sure there's an official form you can write up as well to submit. Because if you work for a crappy company and they find a reason to fire you instead of helping you with your back, because you're it's workman's comp, number one. Number two, it might be your fault. You may have lifted improperly. You may have done something you feel stupid about. That doesn't mean you'll get fired necessarily, and that doesn't mean you won't get help. And, I mean, I, I don't know how else to tell you. You have to tell people. I mean, I had a, I, I didn't hurt myself. I never hurt myself on the job. But I, I almost dropped a patient. And that's because the way we were coming out of the truck with the patient my partner, I forget, it was early, early in the morning. It's like five, six in the morning. I had this young lady, well, she wasn't young, she was older than me, but this little, physically smaller female who was one of those beauty pageant types with the big hair. And, you know, she was, she, I don't know. She was there looking for a husband. She was not a good EMT. And I, I never worked with her again after that. I think she got fired shortly after this. But I've never had a patient incident in my life. This was towards the end of my career. And I'd never had a patient incident. You know, I was always this safety guy. I want to be safe. Now, did I buckle up in the back of the truck? No. Did I do dangerous stuff? I'm sure I did. But when it came to lifting, I was always terrified of my knees and my back being hurt. So I always lift appropriately. And I don't remember exactly what was supposed to happen, but she was supposed to get part of the stretcher. And she didn't. Because we was clear, okay, and we've done it a dozen times. Like, okay, we're going to come out. You're going to grab it this way so that we both can lift this thing down and be okay. And she did something, and it rolled to the door, and I'm stuck holding it, and the patient hit the door, the metal diamond-plated door of my ambulance, you know, as we're coming out, and we rolled them back. And then I had to tell the nurses what happened when we went up there. It's a transport from one hospital to another. I had to tell the nurses this is what happened. I don't know if that bruise was there before. I don't know. Because, you know, you it's an elderly person who had fallen or some other reason to be in the hospital before. And elderly people have bruises all over it. And you just kind of get used to it. Or they have liver spots, you know, those kind of things. So you don't know every single bruise and every single thing that's going on with the patient when you transport them from one hospital to another. So anyway, I had no idea. Yeah, I documented it all. I told the nurses. I wrote it in my documentation. You know, as we were getting out of the truck, this is what happened. And I, I said we did it. But when I went back to our company, I explained the whole thing. And it's been a while. I don't remember the exact details. But I remember basically them agreeing it was not my fault. Because I didn't get in any trouble. I didn't get any kind of reprimand. I didn't get kind of any continued education um, on it. But I wrote it up. But I told everybody. And this is like 5 in the morning which I am not at my best if I had to get up at five in the morning and take this transport, you know? So anyway, you got to be safe. You got to take that risk of getting fired because we could have gotten fired for dropping the patient. We didn't drop and drop, but you know, but that endangering the patient could have gotten fired. Ultimately she got moved to another truck and ultimately I didn't even know she has a career anymore. I know she doesn't, didn't work at national for very long after that. Um, but I could have been fired. But you got to take that chance. You got to you got to own up to your mistakes, and they're saying not all mistakes lead to to bad juju for you. 
And so, yeah, be safe with yourself, be safe with the patient. And part of that safety with COVID-19, with needle sticks, with anything you've done over, you know, you push a drug you shouldn't have, or you drop the patient. Part of that safety for yourself is you've got to communicate with your superiors. You've got to document it. You've got to tell all the appropriate people like the hospitals or the, you know, whoever is in charge there, you got to tell people. And that's the last thing we ever want to do, right? As medics is admit we did wrong or admit that something wrong happened and be worried about losing your income and be worried about losing your career or looking bad or not getting a promotion or anything negative. Then you're not being safe. You know, being safe is not protecting your career by lying about it. Being safe is saying, hey, I hurt my back. Hey, I dropped this patient. Hey, this is, you know, here's the honest thing of what happened. That's what being safe is. So that's going to be it for Topic Tuesday. That's uh, the COVID-19 update from DPH. And today is Safety Day in EMS. So there was some safety talk there. All right. I uh, should be back tomorrow with um, with uh, uh, EMS Underground. And I'm going to cover the idea of EMS motivation and how we see ourselves. Because I think you, we've got to change some mindsets out there. I see too much, too much negativity and motivation for EMS, uh, even around the school. So I'm going to talk about that tomorrow. So I don't know, sometime in the morning with my coffee. And of course, it'll be out in podcast and video form on YouTube and, and anchor.fm later. And you can find these topics as well. Anchor.fm slash EMS underground. And of course, you can email me. Charles at GAIEMS.com if you'd like to send in a subject on a topic or or, or the uh, uh, EMS Underground, which is just general talking about things and discussing things. So, all right, we'll be back uh, tomorrow, and we'll see what happens there.